You are listening to the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast, where we use our expertise in the world of sports, as well as medicine, to bring you the most up-to-date injury news and analysis. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast. I'm Dr. Physical Therapy Brandon Bowers, and joining me as always for season two is Dr. Physical Therapy Aaron Berger. He's out in Pennsylvania, and I'm sitting here in my living room in Ohio. Aaron, it's been a couple weeks. What's new with you? Not too much, man. Still studying for the uh, NPTE, working my uh, part-time job. Uh, just a little bit of a, a little bit of an announcement here. We talked about this last week after the show, but I've officially uh, switched my alliance, um, not the Alliance of American Football, um, <laughs> but as far as my team is concerned, you know, I, I finally have jumped off this, this, no pun intended, off the pirate ship. I'm officially <laughs> done with the pirates. And not that they did anything totally wrong, but it's just a buildup of things from, from year to year. They don't, it doesn't seem like they're, they're in it to win it. They're always playing for the future and nothing ever happens. So I, I've dedicated myself to be being an Atlanta Braves fan. Now, you, Brandon, you may say, Aaron, you're just doing that because they're first in the NL East right now. But I, w- I would counter that with that they were my team growing up, Brandon, and sure. I'm sticking to it. Sure. Just finally jumped. So, I mean, I think, I think, that's, I think it's fair. Uh, it's not like you're just jumping onto a contender that you don't have any backing with. But I think uh, it would be interesting to see when we post the, the link to this on the Fancy Doctors Twitter page what the listeners think of whether or not this is fair or foul, uh, whether or not you're able to just jump ship. Um, and, and I, want I, want, I want all the smoke. All right. Well, we'll see if the listeners can bring it. I certainly think it's okay because you have a little bit of history with them. Um, unfortunately, Aaron, on, on a more serious note, uh, Tyler Skaggs, pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels, uh, just a couple of days ago, tragically passed away at the team hotel in Texas. He's, he's 27 years old. Um, we haven't seen any uh, additional information as to the nature of, of what happened, but uh, it's certainly taken really all Angels fans, his family, his friends, and really the whole baseball community, uh, kind of a bit of a shock to everyone. So uh, before we dive in here, uh, we just want to dedicate this show to Tyler Skaggs and his family. Obviously a very difficult loss for all of the baseball community and, and Skaggs, his friends and family. So we'll just have a brief moment of silence here before we jump in. Thanks, guys. Um, jumping into our, our new list of injuries here. Uh, I was looking over the list of names, and there weren't really any, any big new ones that jumped off the page, any, any star players more or less. So a little bit shorter list here on the newer injuries, and we got some uh, more key players uh, to go over in the old injuries. So, Aaron, I'll, I'll toss things your way. Uh, let's kick things off here with Nick Hunley. Awesome. Yeah, so Nick Hunley, the catcher for the Oakland Athletics, um, I didn't really even know he got traded, Brandon. This was this was news to me, honestly. I thought he was still with the Giants. Yeah. Um, but traded over, traded over to the uh, Athletics. Thirty-five year old, so he's definitely getting up there for a catcher. And just the, probably the worst thing, not not the worst thing, but the worst area of the body as far as catchers are concerned. Yeah, left knee scope, right? So they're going to go in um, arthroscopically, but they're going to clean up whether it's cartilage, um, some loose bone fragments, anything that's within that knee joint that's just kind of hindering some movement. Um, if you're familiar with, with football, you fan, follow fantasy football. Sony Michelle just went through this uh, for the second straight year. He had, he had this procedure done before last year's training camp as well. Um, but they, yeah, like I said, they're just going to go in, clean up any, any loose bodies within the, within the knee joint that's um, kind of hindering motion or causing pain. Uh, he was placed on the 10-day IL on June 8th, initially with the back spasms. 
Um, they started delving into some, some health issues that he had going on, and he uh, underwent this arthroscopic knee surgery on June 18th. Um, so we're looking at at least, at least six weeks of rest and uh, physical therapy to de decrease the swelling in the knee um, and improve the range of motion as well as confidence in the knee. Being a catcher, this is definitely going to be tough for Hunley to come back as, as quickly as, an, as another position, um, but we're looking at a mid-August return for, for Hunley. Uh, Josh Fegley's been playing in, in his absence, slashing 263, 304, and 470. I mean, if you look at it in the range of possible knee surgeries that can people have, this is really kind of the best case scenario. Obviously, tough for a catcher, as you mentioned, but just having that knee, a little cleanup in that knee uh, is certainly better, as I'm sure everybody would guess, than an ACL or some other ligamentous injury. Sure. Brandon Nimmo for the New York Mets dealing with a cervical disc issue. He was diagnosed with a cervical disc herniation on May 25th. Um, and so what this is for, for the listeners who are unfamiliar, you have seven cervical vertebrae and in, in between each of the vertebrae are what you call an intervertebral disc. And sometimes we can get a little bit of a, a movement of these discs and they can herniate or oftentimes you can hear people refer to this as a disc bulge. And what can happen when we get this disc herniation is it can compress on some of the nerves that come out of the spinal cord. As a result, you can get some numbness and tingling down into the arm. Uh, you can get some strength loss, some range of motion loss. And so this really can really turn into a, a big deal. Uh, so this occurred for him back on May 25th. And he, he was working his way well through his rehab program and had actually played three re rehab games at Port St. Lucie, uh, the New York Mets single-A affiliate. And then he was working his way up. He got transferred to triple-A. And on June 14th, he was scratched because his neck was causing some additional soreness. So a couple weeks ago, then on June 18th, the team indicated they're going to shut him down for at least another month. And so that would put us at, at mid-July, sometime after the All-Star break. So these can be a, a little tricky at times. They can certainly be, cause pain in the neck. And as I mentioned, that numbness and tingling down in the arm and strength loss in the arm. So it's important really to be diligent about the, the physical therapy and, and the rehab-based stuff to get this thing to calm down. Certainly something he can return from, but it doesn't look like he's ready just yet. Wellington Castillo for the White Sox, Aaron. We were talking pre-show. I was just out in Chicago last weekend. and was at the White Sox-Twins game on Friday night. That was the second time I had been to Guaranteed Rate Field, a beautiful ballpark. Uh, but Castillo here dealing with an oblique strain. How, how is their stadium? Did you like it? Yeah, it, it was good. I, I'd been out there once before, um, back when, gosh, what was it called before it was Guaranteed Rate Field? You know, Comiskey Park was the old, old one. But yeah. I, I don't even remember yeah. what was in between. Uh, I, I just remember uh, yeah, just laughing when they had switched the name to Guaranteed Rate Field. But it, it's a nice ballpark. They've got a decent beer selection. They've got uh, a decent uh, selection of concession stands and what have you. They've got a couple of nice areas. Last time when I went, I was, actually, I was there for work, and I was up kind of in the club level where they have all-you-can-eat food, which was good. Mm -hmm. uh, and then this time, my ticket was $7 to get me in the door, and then you could pay like an additional 5 or 6 bucks to go into this other club lounge restaurant type thing down in, uh, down in right field. Wow. And so I went and hung out there pregame, and it's right, a nice Brandon. spot. It's inside. It's air-conditioned. It was 95 degrees when I was there, so I appreciated the air-conditioning, but then I eventually yeah. I ventured out to my seat. But I, I really like the park. That's cool. Yeah, I was in Chicago last weekend, and I was driving along the, uh, the midway there. I think that's one of the – whatever whatever the highway is. <laughs> and I, I didn't even know we were coming up on it. And I'm like, they changed it to progressive rate field, and I just, like, started – I don't get that, but yeah, that it, just goes to show you the, pro the product placement and how much advertising means all, in today's uh It's all society. about uh, it's all about it's all about the green stuff. It's all about the dollars. You know. It. <laughs> anyway, Wellington Castillo, catcher for the for the White Sox, dealing with an oblique strain. Um, 
your boy Joey Gallo is just getting over his oblique strain, so we'll go over this again. Um, your obliques kind of run on along the side of your trunk, um, and they help you kind of to, to twist, um, perform different movements, uh, torsional movements, which are very important during baseball. Um, so anytime we're looking at a soft tissue injury as far as a musculotendinous unit, uh, we're looking at a strain. This doesn't seem to be – we're looking at a grade one uh, oblique strain. doesn't seem to be too bad. He was placed on the 10-day IL on June 18th, retro, retroactive to June 17th. Um, but it's not like he was exactly lighting up the scorebook before he was uh, put on the IL, slashing right. 196, 289, and 364. Um, return to play, we're looking at four to five weeks for, for Castillo here. Um, so I, I don't see why they would try to push him back before the, uh, before the all-star break here, Brandon. Um, but just like, like we've talked in the previous episodes, the, the torsional forces in baseball, whether you're, you're hitting, throwing, he's a catcher, so throwing down to second base or trying to whip it, whip it down to third to pick somebody off, um, that definitely, your oblique definitely plays into that. So just making sure that that's cleared up before he comes back is something that the White Sox will definitely keep an eye on. And I think you bring it, you bring up a good point too, with us just a, a, a week away from the all-star game, you get some of these guys that maybe aren't quite ready. I think you see a lot of teams pump the brakes and say, let's just pick this back up uh, next Thursday and not really rush the issue. So these guys can get a few extra days rest and they're not running into any long-term problems. Hector Velasquez for the Boston Red Sox dealing with a low back strain. He was placed on the injured list back on June 19th, and it was a very short stint. He was on, on the 10-day IL, and that's what he was exactly on the IL for was 10 days. So he was activated from the IL on June 29th. When we're dealing with these low back strains, uh, it often refers to a pulled muscle in the lower back. You have a whole host, host of muscles down there, the lumbar paraspinals, the multifidi, a bunch of things that this could refer to. I'm sure a lot of people have tweaked their back or pulled a muscle on their back. It, a lot of times, uh, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but fortunately for Velasquez, it seemed to be very low grade in severity. Again, he was pulled off the IL on June 29th, and he actually pitched two innings in a 17-13 to 13 loss in the Yankees when they were across the pond in London. Uh, he struck out three batters and gave up zero hits across those two innings. So I remember seeing before the game the, the, the dimensions for the field out there in London, uh, Aaron, and, and people were saying how it was going to be just uh, a, a fest of, of runs and of hits, and, and this game certainly lived up to the billing with the Yankees winning at 17-13. to 13. I, I caught the one on Sunday, and I didn't know I was watching slow-pitch softball. Brandon, it was crazy. <laughs> It was like anybody that barreled up a ball, it was it was gone. Well, you know, you have to, you have to feel for the pitchers because you can't you can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, you just gonna have to stay out there and take it. And you know, I think it's a, I mean, it's great that we got baseball over in Europe for these couple of games, but I just hope the fans don't think that all games are seventeen to thirteen <laughs> with all this scoring. I mean, yeah. It's, and, and unless the Mets bullpen is pitching every game. <laughs> Did you see uh, – there was a video floating around of an umpire who, uh, who, who upchucked or, or <laughs> threw up. And so, I don't know if it was F. Scott who quote-tweeted it, and the, the, the quote-tweet said something like, uh, when the Mets bullpen is coming in, and then, uh, and then the umpire threw up. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, oh, I saw that. definitely a disturbing video, but definitely meme material as far as that's concerned. <laughs> Very much so. What can you tell us about uh, Jordan Hicks? Sure. So Jordan Hicks, closer for the for the Cardinals, dealing with a the, the probably the worst injury in baseball that you could the debilitating UCL tear. So that's your ulnar collateral ligament on the inside of the elbow. Um, Going to rehab this with Tommy John surgery, and I'm sure we'll get an update about uh, Doctor Tommy John coming on the show here, Brandon. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Jordan Hicks dealing with a right 
torn uh, ulnar collateral ligament di diagnosed on the June 24th. So like I said, that's just the ligament on the inside of the elbow. Um, that from overhead throwers, if it's usually just the weakest structure, right? It's going to take the, the path of least resistance. So just from repetitive throwing, that could, that could uh, you get a grade three, I guess you would call it a sprain if it's a complete rupture. Like you've, like you've learned from this, uh, from this podcast, all of our listeners out there. Um, he underwent ulnar, coll ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction surgery or Tommy John surgery yeah. on June 26th. Um, as we've talked about on previous episodes, Brandon, we're looking at a 12 to 18 month return to play here for Hicks. Um, as far as the, the structure that they use to reconstruct that ligament, um, common, common tendons include the palmaris longus tendon, which is just a forearm tendon, um, and also hamstring tendons are, are commonly used. Um, I'll get, I'll get your opinion on some of the ones that you've seen in your clinic. Um, cause I, I think I've seen only one, one Tommy John surgery and I think it was the palmaris longus for palmaris longus. Yeah. Usually it's that palmaris longus. Uh, it's a, a tendon, as you mentioned, that's harvested from the forearm and, and for the listeners out there, not everybody has palmaris longi muscles in each of their, in each of their forearms. And you can actually see if you have one by kind of touching your pinky, uh, to your thumb and you should see a tendon pop out in your wrist if, if you have one. So in the event, as you mentioned, if they don't have the palmaris longus, they'll go and harvest uh, sometimes the gracilis tendon from the hamstring uh, and, and the adductors there to use instead. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of neat how they do it, how they use the individual's own body to kind of reconstruct that medial el elbow ligament, that UCL. But typically it is the palmaris longus that we see. And in the event, somebody maybe, let's say they already, ha they already had uh, on a collateral ligament reconstruction and they don't have a palmaris longus, they'll typically dive into that hamstring there, as you mentioned. Yeah. And just with the recent um, advances in medicine, Brandon, over 80% of baseball players who undergo, undergo UCL surgery um, return to the majors, which is great news for Hicks. Um, there's, there's, there's mixed opinions whether they're as effective whenever they come back. Um, different, re different research says different things. But yeah, if you're in a dynasty league, um, it might be tough, but you're going to have to let them go. Um, and uh, Carlos Martinez is looking like he's going to be the closer for the Redbirds going forward. Sean Newcomb for your newly founded Atlanta Braves <laughs> as a concussion. This hurts. And so, you know, <laughs> since you're such a lifelong fan of the Braves, you should know all about what's going on with Newcomb. Sean Newcomb for, for my beloved Braves, right? We're, we're going to drop the, uh, the theme song to, to drop it into the, to the episode. <laughs> So, yeah, Sean Newcomb dealing with a traumatic brain injury. That's, that's actually what a concussion is. It's a mild form of a traumatic brain injury um, that causes chemical changes within the brain for a period of time. Um, so, unfortunately, Newcomb took a, took a Real Muto uh, line drive to the back of the head. Um, he was placed on the seven-day concussion list on June 19th, retroactive to June 18th. Um, he pitched in a rehab appearance for AAA Gwinnett and was act activated from the seven-day uh, concussion list on June 25th. Um, he was moved back to the bullpen now, now that Dallas Keuchel um, is with the Braves, thankfully. Um, and Newcomb is 2-1 on the year with a 2-6-1 ERA, 32 Ks, and a 1.39 whip. Um, some, some good news if, if, you, if you're a Sean Newcomb owner. Luke Jackson hasn't exactly been lighting it up for the Braves. And I, I, I promise, Brandon, I've been watching. Like, <laughs> I believe you. Don't, don't, tell, uh, don't tell the FCC, but I've been using the uh, – like the MLB Reddit streams. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, I hope they don't shut it down because they shut down the NBA one. You know, I, I, 
I use that all during the NFL season. You better believe yeah. I've got my Browns on the TV and I've got yeah. seven, or, seven or eight Reddit tabs up on my computer, all on mute. And I'm just scrolling left and right to stay up to date on my fantasy teams. Yeah. I'm just, I'm nervous that they're going to shut it down because they yeah. already did it to the NBA one. Yep. I mean, fingers crossed. Well, I mean, we'll yeah. see here in just a few months, uh, but uh, only time will tell. It amazes me. It never ceases to amaze me. So I'm sure they'll figure something out. I'm uh, sure. Yeah, but. Luke Jackson hasn't been lighting it up in the closing role for the Braves, so it wouldn't be out of the uh, out, out of out of left field if Luke if uh, Sean Newcomb's the new closer. Just just a little heads up there. Sure, we'll have to kind of see where things go, and hopefully Sean Newcomb's concussive issues are behind him. Absolutely, Andy Diaz, uh, a guy that I don't know if you know, Aaron used to be a Cleveland Indian, and he was really I, I didn't know that, yeah. He was a lifer kind of down here in Columbus where, I, where I'm located playing in the, for the AAA uh, Columbus Clippers. And he, he had gone up to Cleveland. It's like a September call up on a couple times and uh, yeah. just really, really wasn't hitting the ball and really didn't get any chance to play consistently. And so there came time where he was out of options. We had a DFA him and then he went to the Rays. And here he's been tearing it up for the race. And so it's just frustrating because we had this guy in our system and and now he's just he's crushing it for the race. So uh, he was placed on the 10-day IL back on June 19th with the hamstring strain. The injury occurred on June 16th. He was actually activated since we've been off the air for the past two weeks. He was hurt, and then he got activated and returned to the lineup last Thursday. In his first two games back, he was 0 for 11. But on Saturday and Sunday, uh, when I put my notes together, I, I didn't check and see how he did yesterday. But on Saturday, he was 2 for 4. And then on Sunday, he was 3 for 4. So he has returned to form. For the Rays, as we've mentioned before, with soft tissue injuries, they do have a high recurrence rate if these things aren't managed properly. Uh, for Diaz, it looked like this was just a grade one strain since it only took him 10 days on the IL. Certainly something wor worth monitoring as, as the season progresses here as we hit the all-star break, uh, but we shouldn't expect too big of issues here for Yandy Diaz going forward. Whenever I used to be a Pirates fan, Brandon, I could relate to the Rays stealing all of our good players. <laughs> Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now. Yeah, uh, Austin Meadows just got named an all-star, I think I saw. Yeah, he did. Even Charlie Morton, whenever he left the Pirates, before yeah. he was with the Astros. You know, I'm quite surprised. I mean, I don't know if I'm really all that surprised, but since you rooted for the Braves growing up, but why didn't you just jump ship and hop on with the Rays if they got all your Pirates guys now? I don't I – don't, I, I like the – I just can't get – people from Tampa Bay can't even get behind them. So, yeah. I, <laughs> you know – that's a whole different story with Mon they're they're trying to play in Montreal and stuff, but yeah, I, I do not agree with that. That's ugh. yeah, it's crazy. Staying anyway, with, staying within the state of Florida, Pablo Lopez. Aaron, I was gonna say, dude, staying within Florida, Pablo Lopez, starting pitcher for the old Marlins down in Miami, dealing with a right shoulder strain. Um, so anytime we say strain, we're dealing with a, a muscular injury compared to a sprain, which is a ligamentous injury. Um, as far as the MR, we never really got results from the MRI, what structure was actually involved. Um, so we're either looking at a Terry's major. Um, a, it's probably not a lat because that would be much more serious for Lopez. Um, so we're probably looking at a rotator cuff muscle or the Terry's major. Um, all the reports are saying that it's a very mild, mild strain, which is great news. Um, he was placed on the IL on June 19th, resumed a throwing program yesterday on Monday, July 1st after some extended rest over the weekend. Um, the Marlins aren't exactly in it in the NL East, so there's no really no, no, no need to rush them back, Brandon. Right. Um, but Lopez has actually been pretty good this year. Uh, 1.8 1 
1.80 ERA over his last four starts. Zach Gallon was called off from AAA New Orleans, and he's taken Lopez's spot in the rotation for the time being. Gallon's one of their one of their better prospects. Um, he's posted a 3.6 ERA in, two, in the two starts that he's pitched in Lopez's in Lopez's uh, absence. Um, he's pitching his third start as we speak, um, so we'll see, have to see how he's doing. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how things shake out. And I mean, like you said, uh, Lopez had looked pretty has looked pretty good thus far. So hopefully, uh, he can continue that trend uh, when he's back in the fold here for the Marlins. He might miss he might miss one start after the All Star break, but other other than that, he should be right back into the mix of things afterwards. Doesn't doesn't seem like they're too concerned about it. So excellent news for any of the Miami Marlins fans. Obviously, as you said, not not in the really the playoff hunt, but anytime anybody's hurt, you want to see them get back so your team can be at, at full strength. So um, sure. moving, moving on to old injuries with Corey Seager. Yeah, so just updating on Corey Seager. He's placed on the aisle on Thursday, June 13th. And this is another one of those guys, Brandon, they don't want to rush him back before the All-Star break. Um, if you remember, the MRI revealed a grade two hamstring strain um, at that time. We were looking at a return to play of four to six weeks. Um, he's expected to be in a rehab assignment this week, actually, um, but no, no major league involvement. He'll probably start at um, double-A. Um, don't be surprised if the Dodgers don't wait until after the All-Star game. Like I said, there's no real reason to bring him back. We have another week. Um, Dodgers are loaded with prospects. Um, Taylor's doing a fine job at shortstop in his, in his, in his place. So uh, we should see Seager back after the All-Star break, and hopefully he can stay healthy um, for the Dodgers. He's really, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago when we talked about Seager. He's a guy that just struggled to stay healthy here early on in his career for the Dodgers. And you, you hate to see him out, but he can really be a dynamic player when he's out there. So hopefully not too long after the All-Star break, he, he's back out there for the Dodgers. Yeah, he dealt with a, a Tommy Tom John surgery last year as well as a hip surgery. And you just want to see the guy out there for sure. Ken Giles for the Toronto Blue Jays is dealing with elbow inflammation. He was activated since we last spoke. This was June 20th. He came off the I.L., Prior to going on the IL, he, he was pitching lights out with a 1.08 ERA, a 1.04 whip, and a 42-7 to 7 strikeout to walk ratio. He also had 11 saves over 25 innings prior to going on the injured list. So he had been pitching really well for the Blue Jays, and he, he's continued that since he's returned. He's pitched three innings since he's come back. And again, the, the, the stats I have here as of Sunday evening – uh, with seven Ks and just giving up one earned run. So a guy that when he was on the shelf for the the Blue Jays really did miss dearly, and now he's back in the fold for Toronto. And if he can continue to do what he did for them prior to getting hurt, I mean, watch out. Is, I mean, he's been having a great year. Was Ken Giles the guy that um, – was he the one that punched himself in the head like two years ago after uh, a blown save or something? We might have to look into that. He was with Philly before, wasn't he? I believe so. We'll do was, some research. We'll be, We'll, yeah. we'll tweet that out or something. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to <laughs> update the listeners on that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm not 100% certain off the top of my head. Relief pitchers are just a different breed. Yeah, they really are. They, they are some kind of crazy. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of crazy, we've got a crazy injury to update you guys on. Uh, Mitch Hanniger, an outfielder for the Seattle Mariners. Um, if you guys remember, he fouled a ball off his genital area on June 6th and had surgery to fix um, his ruptured testicle on June 7th. Um, he won't return to the Mariners until after the All-Star break. Um, at this point, he's not cleared for baseball activities quite yet, but he's doing some light activities. Um, he's been seen in the, in, the, in the weight room just doing some, doing some light stuff, trying to stay active. Um, and Mitch Hanniger himself admits that he tried to get back into things a little too quickly. I mean, credit to him, Brandon. 
if, <laughs> if this happened to me, I'm not sure I'd be wanting to get back on the horse right away. But Yeah, I mean, uh, if it were me, I'd probably be laying on the couch with a bag of frozen peas on my groin and, uh, <laughs> and not trying to rush anything. It'll look like the scene out of uh, Sandlot with the yes. <laughs> just, just place the peas on a diff- in a different area. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, obviously, anytime anybody's hit below the belt, you feel for them. Uh, and hopefully, here it's not too long after the All Star break before he can work his way back. It was obviously an injury that uh, yeah. nobody should have to deal with. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably be looking at, at some rehab starts the week after the All Star break. We should see him back two weeks after the all-star break uh, at the latest. All right. There you have it, folks. Uh, Kendry's Morales, formerly for the New York Yankees. I'll, I'll tell you why about formerly here in a second, had a calf strain initially occurred on June 12th, was placed on the IL on June 13th. And this is due to some calf tightness that he had. He was acquired by the Yankees on May 14th and really did not look good batting 177 with one home run in 19 games. And he was activated off the IL last Tuesday, and then the Yankees said, see you later, and he got designated for assignment. So he's back and healthy. Now he's a, he's a free agent uh, because the Yankees DFA'd him. So he's healthy but currently teamless. He's probably my favorite angel of all time, Brandon, just a side note. He was he, so solid. So he was, and correct me if I'm wrong, was he the one who hit, hit like a walk-off home run or something on opening day and came into the mob at home plate and jumped and broke his leg? Was that Kendrys Morales? That might have been, yeah. I think so. We'll have to check on that, but I'm I'm fairly certain that's who it was, and I think it was pretty early in the season. Yeah, I think that did happen. That's that's a good good get by you. Thank you. I'll chalk that chalk that one up. (laughs) And then if Ken Giles ends up being correct about punching himself in the head, you can put put a tally up there for yourself too. There you go. Corey Mize, starting pitcher for the Detroit Tigers in the future, but right now he's just a prospect. Um, He was some right shoulder soreness. He was pulled from his his double A start. Um, whenever we talked last two weeks ago, um, June 13th, he was pitching, felt pain in his right shoulder. He took an MRI, showed some inflammation. Not, not too much has been said about Mize, but I was through the, through the Twitter sphere, I was able to find a report by Emily Walden of the athletic. Um, she writes for the tigers. Um, and she, she tweeted out progress is coming along fine. He's working out at the Lakeland complex and she hasn't been given a timetable for his return. But like, like we said during the last episode, he's their number one pitching prospect. Um, not if he was their first round pick this year. So I, there's no reason to, to, to move him along that quickly, Brandon. It really isn't. I mean, keep, keeping the future in mind. I mean, they're, they're really would be doing him a disservice if they, if they rush him back too quickly. For sure. I did. I, I quick put my microphone on mute and investigated the two things that we were questioning. And okay. Ken Giles did in fact punch himself after a home run to Gary Sanchez last May. So oh. Tally for Aaron and also tally for Brandon. Kendrys Morales did hurt himself and break his leg following a walk-off grand slam. This is back in 2010, uh, so nine years ago. And it wasn't an opening day. It was late in May, but uh, we were both accurate on our, our recollections of the, these two injuries. There you go. You don't, you don't get stuff like this on any other podcast. You don't. You're real-time fact-checking. It's only, only with the fantasy doctors that you can get that real-time fact-checking. <laughs> TFD. Domingo German dealing with the hip flexor injury for the New York Yankees. Just trying to meet our Yankees quota for the show. Make sure uh, Dr. Celine Parekh is happy that we're covering his team. 
Um, before he got hurt on June 9th, he was 9-2 and two with a 3.86 ERA, averaging 9.9 Ks per nine innings. He actually had a rehab start, Aaron, last Thursday and was scheduled to pitch for the Yankees tomorrow. That's Wednesday against the Mets. So he has made his, his way all the way back. Uh, from that hip flexor injury and his rehab start went well. So he will be all systems go come tomorrow for New York. Awesome. Heading out West, Andrelton Simmons, shortstop for the angels. Another guy coming back. This one I, I was surprised about uh, good, good for this guy. All, all the credit in the world to the angels rehab team. Um, Simmons was dealing with a grade three left ankle sprain and was placed on the IL on May 21st. And that, that may seem like forever ago, but anybody that knows rehab, knows sports medicine, like a grade three ankle sprain, is like that's a full rupture of the ligament. Like most of the time that requires surgery, Brandon. This guy rehabbed it, came back. Um, and in the last episode, we said that he would be activated at the end of the month, as in the end of June. And boom, he was activated on June 27th. Boom. So, I mean, this is why people listen to this, man. We got it. We do. And then, you know, I think it was shortly after we recorded that he, he may have been removed from a game, I think. Did, did he have a setback? He did not. He was, it was just a little scare. Uh, it was all systems go. He's back in the uh, seventh slot for the Angels. All right. That's, that's pretty incredible out there for Simmons, especially with, the, with that grade three injury. Mm-hmm. Staying in the AL West, Joey Gallo for the Rangers, who you mentioned earlier, has returned from his oblique strain placed on the aisle back on June 2nd, so a month ago as we sit here recording this on uh, July 2nd. He had a rehab stint with the Arizona League Rangers, and then he was activated last Tuesday. As of Sunday, June 30th, he had five hits and 17 at-bats, two home runs, and was batting 294. So it looks like he's back to the Joey Gallo uh, that everybody wants him to be. Again, with a, a power hitter, that the oblique, as you hit on the anatomy a little bit ago, is very important for a hitter and, and even anybody who's out in the field throwing. So, But it looks like he's progressing A-OK and has returned to the lineup for the Texas Rangers. I actually got an alert about an hour ago um, that he's not not uh, participating in the home run derby just because of this oblique strain. He was still yeah. kind of yeah. – it. it's, it's, it's a pretty taxing event. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are, 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 I mean, their swing gets modified as they're just trying to crush balls out of there. And so probably probably for the best that he, he sits this one out. Definitely a good idea. A guy that wanted to come back for the All-Star game is, is Carlos Correa. He, did you see this interview, Brandon? I don't think I did. This, this was on last, when, last Wednesday, I think. Um, they caught up with him in the, in the locker room. Um, he said he feels great. Uh, just if you haven't been – Keeping up with Carlos Correa, he's dealing with a rib fracture from getting a massage in his home. Whether that's what happened, we don't know. I'm not one to speculate. Um, but he, he's dealing with a rib fracture. Last week he said he, he feels great. Um, hasn't done anything except for running on the field. Um, hasn't been um, doing any baseball activities yet. Um, but I'm sure they'll progress him along as things are looking good. Um, in, the, in the interview, he said he wanted to play in the All-Star game as a rehab assignment, but uh, manager AJ Hinch said that was unrealistic. So that must make, make Astros fans feel great that he would be okay to play in the all-star game, but not play for his real team. But yeah. I mean, he also said he's pain. So. He said he's pain free. <laughs> he said he's pain free. He's, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens after the all-star break, but yeah, I mean, it, I it, sounds, it sounds like he's close. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he's close. Corey Kluber for my Cleveland Indians got another uh, box checked off the, the road to recovery. He had an MRI last week 
of his forearm. He's dealing with that ulnar fracture since the beginning of May, really. And he has been cleared to resume throwing. He's, he's currently throwing from 60 feet. Uh, so sometimes after we, we have a, a broken bone, they'll go through with a series of x-rays to check the bone healing. And then a lot of the times, smaller, smaller breaks in the bone uh, for the listeners out there don't always show up on x-ray. So that's when they sometimes will go to an MRI in the case of like a stress fracture or something to pick up these, these, these smaller cracks in the bone. So that's why they went with the MRI here, just to make sure that everything had healed and there were no residual uh, breaks still there in his ulna. And he has been cleared to be removed from the splint and begin throwing. So he's doing that. This is really going to take some time. I wouldn't anticipate to see him until August at the earliest. Uh, really has been the horse in the Indians rotation over the, over the past number of years. And he hasn't had any setbacks, just a, a long road to recovery when you, when you break a bone in your pitching arm. Certainly not optimal. No. Aaron, you know, last week I, I flubbed and I left out the waiver wire portion of the podcast. But this mm-hmm. week, I assured you it would, it would be in there. And we are at that point in the show that uh, I'll, I'll let you take it away. If you don't like my waiver wire picks, Brandon, you can just tell me. You don't have to act like you forgot about it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just muted it again, and I, and I, I took it all <laughs> back so you couldn't hear me. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll let you have at it again this week and see, see what you can do. That's great. All right. First, we've got a starting pitcher, um, former pitcher for, for the Yankees, Michael Pineda. He's with the, the Minnesota Twins now, rostered in about 14% of leagues. And we talked about him um, on episode three this season. He dealt with a, a little bit of a knee sprain or a knee tendonitis. Sorry about that. Um, he was dealing with some knee tendonitis earlier in the year. Um, in June, he posted a 3.58 ERA and a 1.11 whip. I mean, Michael Pineda, he's a consistent starter, right? They have a good offense, good strikeout rate. What's not to love? Hopefully, he's done using pine tar on his glove. I remember that was a big thing back in the day. It was. Uh, did, did he get caught with it twice? Or am I crazy? I know once for sure I can do some real-time fact-checking uh, while you're going yeah. through the waiver wire if we need to. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Next guy, uh, starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, Sonny Gray, rostered in about 33% of leagues. Now his, his ERA, 3.94, isn't the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, but he has 16 starts this year, 91 Ks. And just, to, just as a comparison, last year with the Yankees, he had 123 Ks the whole year. All right, So he has 91 already, and we're halfway through the year. Um, last year he, he had an 8.49 strikeout per nine inning last year. And this year he's looking at a 9.95 strikeouts per nine, per nine innings this year. It's his highest ever. Um, plus he went to Vanderbilt. So, you know, you know, he's great. Congrats right. to Vanderbilt for another World Series championship. Those are the guys you want on your team, mm-hmm. the Van, Vanderbilt Commodores. Moving towards, um, my old team, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They seem to be getting all these new guys once I jump jump ship. So, but I'm not I'm not salty about it. I'm not salty about it. I'm, I, I sleep fine at night. Um, Kevin Newman, their shortstop, rostered in about 22% of leagues. He's batting 327 this year, Brandon. You you heard Man. me right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just doesn't have the plate appearances um, to be eligible for a lot of the a lot of the stats. I think sure. he's. I think you need uh, what is it? About 3.1 per game. I, 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 it, might, it might be a smidge higher than that, but I, I know it's three points something. Yeah. But I think he's, he's like sitting in the upper twos. So, I mean, as long as he keeps starting, he should get there. Hopefully he can keep his average up uh, as an OBP of 372 and he's slugging 482. Uh, the pirates love him. Pittsburgh loves him, And Gung is in the threat to take playing time. So definitely if you can go get Newman, 
uh, it'll be just fine for you. Um, and just a, an ex- exciting prospect here for the Brewers, um, their second baseman, Keston Hira. He was a first-round pick in 2017. Um, he, he, he started out in AAA, came up for a little bit. Um, but so far this year in AAA, he's slashing 329, 407, and 681 with an OPS mm. over 1, 19 bombs. So, so the kid can rake. I think, I think in 2016, um, his last year in college, he, he led uh, – he led Division One with an average of like 442 or something like that. So the kid wow. just kid just great. Yeah, this year in the majors, six home runs in 21 games, and he's slashing 278, 329, uh, 519. So definitely, definitely some value there, and that's a good lineup as well. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely fantastic. It's not often that you see a slash line like that. Mm-hmm. That's all I got, Brandon. Those, those are four guys. You know, I think you did well enough, and, and hopefully some of these guys pan out and continue to play well that we can keep the waiver wire section of the show uh, going here in future episodes. I appreciate it. What was that, like a one-week suspension that I was on? Yeah, and then you're all, you're all clear. Uh, the, the second time, though, if it, if it goes south, then it turns into a, a, three, a three-week suspension. And then after that, I, I, I do believe it is a lifetime ban. I love it. I love it. Uh, quick fact check. Uh, I'm only seeing Pineda having been busted once for the pine tar, and that was back, it looks like, in April of 2014. So, But he did get busted for the pine tar. Sorry about that, Michael Pineda. I, I was <laughs> wrong on my part to assume that you did that twice. <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening to the podcast. Yeah, I, I hope not. This day in baseball history, turning back the clock way back to 1869, the Forest Cities, which came <sighs> listen to this included amateur players and they did not want to be paid to play baseball because they wanted to remain pure. Okay. So they didn't want to taint the game by being played to or paid to play. And this marked the nine, the first professional baseball game to be played in Cleveland. And they lost to the Cincinnati red stockings. You got any guess at the final score? I'm trying to think if the pitching would be, or you know what I mean? Like if the hitting would be so far behind the pitching or, you know, I don't know. Let's let's go ten to eight. Twenty-five to six. Okay. That the four right. four cities lost. Was this game played in London? Uh, no, uh, surprisingly. Although I mean, with the way that the Yankees and the and the Red Sox did uh, just a week ago, it looks like it, it should have been. Yeah. Uh, this was in front of two thousand spectators, and the the four cities continued to play the following season and became a charter member of the National Association of Professional Baseball Players in 1871. So there's actually a group of guys who didn't want to be paid to play sports back in the day. And, I mean, just seeing all these contracts across the NBA and really the NHL free agency the past couple of days, it just blows my mind that these guys didn't want money to play a game that they love. I would love to get those guys in a room with Antonio Brown and just see what happens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're going to fast forward 100 years exactly, so 1869 now to 1969. And Reds pitcher Jerry Arrigo ties a major league mark when he he hit his third batter, coincidentally the Atlanta Braves in the second inning in a nine to four victory. And the Braves also set the, the or tied the major league record for hits bat hit batsmen in that game by hitting a total of five batters over the course of the entire. Oh, game. No, Arrigo hit three in an inning, and then as a team they hit two more, which tied the major league record. That's a. Were there, were there any fight like any fights or like bench? You know what I mean. Like I feel maybe that was like 
I don't know. Guys were way tougher back then, so you almost feel like something yeah. would happen. Yeah, and I mean, with the Reds and Puig, it seems like they're trying to pick fights with everybody. So it'd be interesting to see back in the day uh, if, if there was anything that went down. Just a sidebar, did you see their red pants two days ago? For the Reds? The jerseys. Yeah, they had these jerseys. It was like a cream top and red pants. It was pretty, pretty cool. Interesting. I'll actually be down there uh, watching the Reds and the Indians on, and my Indians on Saturday down in Cincinnati. So I'll cross my fingers. Uh-huh. That that's what they wear. And uh, I'll, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. A little bit more recent memory. Hard to believe that this is still 12 years ago, 2007 uh, with skipper Joe Torrey watching from the Yankee dugout. This was the day, July 2nd, 2007, that Roger Clemens threw eight innings and only gave up two hits to beat the twins. And he became the eighth pitcher to record 350 career victories. Now, it, that, that's cool and all, obviously, 350 victories. You don't see that all that often. But then this next part of this day in history, I think, makes it all the, all, all the more neat. So Joe Torre was actually the catcher for Warren Spahn's 350th win um, years ago, which makes Torre the only participant in two occasions that a pitcher reached the milestone of 350 wins. And so he caught the one for Spawn, and then he was the manager of the 350th win for Clemens. And so he was part of two guys reaching that milestone. That's pretty crazy. That's a, that's a good stat there. That's a trivia. That's it, a, like a trivia a, question or like if, if, you, if you're at the bar with some friends and you, yeah. want, you want to blow yeah. their mind and get a free beer, I mean, this might be the fact to drop that uh, nobody would know the answer to. And that's then, really cool. I would never even think to, that that was a possibility. Yeah, so that's going to do it and put a bow on this episode of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast. As we say every couple of weeks, we thank each and every one of you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the show this week with the re-edition after Aaron's one-week suspension of the waiver wire. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you have any thoughts or comments, feel free to reach out. And Aaron, do you have any final thoughts, my friend? No, just thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I hope Michael Pineda wasn't listening because <laughs> uh, I don't want to get any 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 frack from him uh, but yeah just thanks for listening guys uh, we love doing this for you we love researching this stuff and this is what we're this is our expertise so if you ever want to reach out to us we'd be more than more than welcome to more than happy to help you guys out in any way that we can um, you want to drop the Twitter handles for us, Brandon? Yeah, and then, uh, I'm, I'm giving everybody the handles to make sure you uh, tweet to Aaron whether or not it's fair or foul that he jumped from the Pirates back to the Braves. Uh, the Fantasy Doctors at the Fantasy DRS, myself at BLBowers12, and Aaron at AaronBerger underscore PT. Be sure to check out the Fantasy Doctors website, www.thefantasydoctors.com. I'm going to plug real quick our NFL content. We've got a really cool – Uh, NFL injury draft guide that's out uh, for $4.99 that is available now. We will be compiling a lot of injury information for those guys as the season gets ready to get rolling and we're rolling here into draft season. So be sure to check that out. A lot of great content from our MDs and, and PTs there. And as always, be sure to download and review us on iTunes or whatever medium you use to consume the podcast. Uh, before I sign off, again, our thoughts, condolences, and, and prayers do go out to Tyler Skagg, the Angels or- organization, his family and friends. Obviously, when, when anybody dies, it's a sad time, but, but somebody that young is, is gone far too soon. So our thoughts and prayers out to, to Skaggs and his family. Until next time, we'll rejoin you guys here in a couple of weeks after the All-Star break. I'm Dr. Physical Therapy Brandon Bowers, and joining me this evening was Dr. Physical Therapy Aaron Berger, and we'll talk to you guys again in two weeks.